Amen. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We've been covering, excuse me, the book of Romans in Sunday school, and so I just decided to do a little switching today. We'll cover this in this service, and we looked at something different in Sunday school, but Romans 8, and we'll begin in verse 5, and Brother Jim, let's see, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Romans 8, and down to verse 5. Romans 8, 5. For they that are after the flesh do what? To mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. So we don't want to be carnally minded because that is what? Death. We want to be spiritually minded because that is what? Life and peace. So we don't we don't want not want to obey the flesh. We want to obey the spirit. The word carnal is means fleshly. So we don't want to obey the flesh. We want to obey the spirit because the flesh is weak. Now if you hold your place here, notice with me in Matthew twenty six. The flesh is is weak, so we do not want to obey it. In Matthew 26 and verse 41, Jesus is praying, asking his disciples to pray, and uh, they just kept falling asleep. So verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is what? Willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. So we, don't, we do not want to obey the flesh. When, when a person minds the things of the flesh, the Bible calls that person carnal, as we saw there in Romans 8, verse 5. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So we've seen, and I, like I said, this has been in Sunday school, but number one we've seen in Sunday school, we, we are carnal when we disobey God's law. In Romans 7, verse 12, we are carnal when we disobey God's law. In Romans 7, 12, wherefore the law is what? Holy. And the commandment, what? Holy and just and good. Sometimes um, sometimes we get down on the law. And I'm talking specifically here about uh, the law of God, but um, I was in some store. I can't think where it was now. Um, yeah, so it's, it's an electric, I think it was an electric place um, this week, getting some supplies. And 
um, there was an old rock and roll song playing there, and I will not say the words because I don't want to put anything in your mind. Uh, but it was about the law and uh, about doing things against the law. And, uh, you know, the flesh, that's the way the flesh feels. Is It doesn't like the law, but... God's law is holy, it's just, and it's good. But then in verse 13 there, Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become what? Exceeding sinful. You know, actually, the more spiritual we become, the more in our minds, the less spiritual we seem. I don't know if that made any sense, but indeed, the, the closer we actually get to God, the more we see our own shortcomings, the more we see our own sin. The closer we get to the light, the more we see the imperfections. Verse 14, for we know that the law is what? Spiritual, spiritual but I am what? Carnal, sold under sin. Well, is, is this the confession of a man who's played the hypocrite? I mean, we thought Paul was spiritual. We thought he was the greatest missionary other, after the Lord Jesus Christ that ever lived, possibly. So is, is he telling us that he's really not all that we thought he was? He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. No, it, he's saying just what I just said, the more, the closer we get to God, the more we see our sin. Notice with me in Isaiah 6, Isaiah chapter 6, the same with Isaiah. Um, Isaiah was a great man of God, but the, the closer he got to God, the more he saw his own sin. In Isaiah 6, 1, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, where? High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, What? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said, I what? Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of what? Unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So when Isaiah saw the glory and the holiness of God, he could only see himself as unclean. So that is the fact. That actually, the closer we get to God, the more sinful, the more we realize how sinful we are. Number two, so that's we are carnal if we disobey God's law. Number two, we are carnal when we start comparing and exalting men instead of God. I'll say that again. We are carnal when we start comparing and exalting men instead of God. Notice in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3, this is... A fault we have in life, we're always, we're always comparing. We compare one car to another. We compare one sports team to another. 
Uh, we compare one lawnmower to another. We compare one gun to another. We compare one golf club to another. Uh, we compare one house to another. We compare one place of occupation to another. Our lives are filled with comparisons. But notice in 1 Corinthians 3, 1. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto what? Spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, the carnal life leads to death. The spiritual life leads to life and peace. We just read that. But he's saying to this church, I couldn't speak unto you as unto spiritual, so they evidently didn't have much peace in their lives. He said, but, but carnal. Uh, verse 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet what? Carnal. Okay, now he's going to explain, why is he making this statement to this church? He says, for whereas there is among you what? Envying. When people envy, what are they doing? They're comparing. When, when you envy someone else uh, for their car, um, does that mean you have a better car or in your eyes do you feel like you have a worse car? A worse. If you're envying somebody else's vehicle, it's because you think yours doesn't compare to theirs. So there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? In other words, if... If God's people are envying and there's strife and there's divisions, then what difference? What is different about our walk than the world? He says, are you not carnal and walk as men? Aren't you walking just like the world walks? That's what they do. Verse 4. For while one saith, I am of who? Paul. And another, I am of who? Paulus, are ye not what? Carnal. Paul was first to Ephesus, but then he had to quickly move on. Then Apollos came along. Apollos was eloquent. He was a great orator. He, he could speak well. But Paul said his speaking was with trembling and in fear. Quite different. So they were comparing. The, the Corinthian church was comparing these two guys. Paul is the great pioneer uh, missionary. But Ap Apollos is the great polished speaker that comes along after him. And so people are comparing, you know, okay, well, uh, you know, who's your uh, hero? I was going to say idol. We don't want idols. We just talked about that in Sunday school. But who's your hero? Uh, when I worked in Chattanooga, Tennessee at a pharmacy, um, the owner of the company said to me one day, he says, Mike, who's your hero? And I said, the Lord. And he says, no, no. He says, I mean, who's your hero? You know, what great man? And I said, well, I look to the Lord. Well, he didn't like that answer. He wanted me to. And he, so he goes on. Then he brought up um, our pastor at our church. And he was up in years but um, at that time. But he said, you know, like, like your pastor. And he told about some of the great things, you know, that he had done in his younger years. And. And um, I wasn't going to give in to him. I wasn't going to say, a man, uh, our hero needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect one. 
everyone else is going to fail. And so if we are making any person on earth our hero and we're following them, then, then we're going to make mistakes when they make mistakes. So he's telling them they're carnal because they're trying to pit Paul against Apollos. Uh, verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But what? Ministers. What does the word minister mean? It means servant. Servant. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers, servants, by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have what? Planted. So there's Paul, the, the missionary spirit there. I have planted. Apollos what? Watered. So you've got the missionary pioneer spirit. You've got the, the, the man of God who comes along later and more polished. But then he says, but who? God gave the increase. It wasn't the great missionary planner. It wasn't the great polished speaker. It was God that gave the increase. Verse 7, so then neither is he that planteth anything... So that means don't make them our heroes. Neither he that watereth. So, so, you know, don't make the greatest missionary your hero. Don't make the greatest polished evangelist your hero. Make Jesus Christ your hero. So, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, he said that twice. Um, it's important. Verse 8. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are what? One. That's the very reason we shouldn't pit one person against another. We shouldn't compare one person against another. You know what? God made all of us unique. Now, what would happen if all of us looked exactly the same? How would you know what name to call? You know, how would you know what to call anyone? You wouldn't. Now, Brenda and Becky are really close, but after, after time, you can tell them apart, identical twins. Um, but we're all unique, maybe slightly, maybe more pronounced, but, but we're, we're all one. We're all important. God designed each one of us. How would you like it if you went to the parking lot today and every car out there was exactly the same, the exact same color, make, model, and year. If that was true out there, people would drive by and say, that's a cult, <laughs> for sure. That's a cult. <laughs> they all do exactly the same. They, they have no mind of their own, you know. No. Verse 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers, Together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. You know, the person who gives a prophet a cup of cold water or even a disciple is going to receive, and I'm talking about the prophets, the reward of a prophet, a prophet's reward. You know, we like to exalt one person above another. Uh, but you know what? For, for every gospel track, the latest one we got back was from New York. It was uh, the, uh, the Spanish version of Good Samaritan. 
And uh, the person wrote back saying he got saved. Now, who's going to get the reward for that? Um, the person who handed out the track? Yes. What about the person who gave the money for that track? Yes. Didn't God say, give just a cup of cold water? Yes. Um, the person who um, carried the paper? Um, the person who printed and cut it and folded the tracks? Uh, the person who counted out the tracks? The person who prayed uh, for uh, the printing ministry, the person who who gave money to help buy paper and ink and machines. and You know, in God's eyes, every single one of those people are an important part in it. But what do we do? Well, we let Corinthians come along, Corinthian people come along, and try to make us exalt one person above another. You know, it's exciting to be in God's work because every Part is what? Important. Every part is important. Every part will be rewarded. And so, to me, it's like a treasure hunt. My dad used to do um, treasure hunts, and, um, and we've done some, too. Probably should do that again. But um, I look at gospel tracts like a treasure hunt. Uh, it's, you hand them out, and you, you never know what God may do with that tract. Uh, someone here... Uh, had to handle that gospel track that that man eventually read and got saved. It's, it's exciting serving the Lord. So God defines carnality as people who compare people with people and try to exalt one over the other. Don't, let's not do that. It, it, we're laborers together with God, verse 9, all of us. Um, so we just need to be faithful serving the Lord. Um, notice in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. So if someone says, are you carnal? And you say, well, I don't know. Well, if someone asks us that question and in our minds we're comparing people with people and well, then we're being carnal. We don't want to do that. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or what? <clears throat> Compare ourselves with some that what? Commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are what? Not wise. You know, there has to be a standard of measurement. You know, sometimes in the past I've had tape measures, and sometimes when a tape measure, you know, you release the button on it and it shoots back in. And Well, if you use a tape measure every day and, and for weeks and months, um, you can get the end, that metal clip on the end, you can get it loose. And so one tape measure, you can find this on the job, you can find one tape measure is not measuring the same. It might be a sixteenth of an inch off maybe even more, and so you keep cutting boards and, or siding or something else, and someone said, hey, it's too long, or hey, it's too short. What's wrong? Well, sometimes it might be we just don't pay close enough attention when we cut the piece that we're actually on the line or where we draw the line, but sometimes it's because our standard is not the same. 
our tape measures are measuring differently. So we need the same standard. Um, notice with me in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Romans three twenty-three. The Bible says, for all have what? Sinned and come short of each other. Is that what it says? No, it says we all have sinned and come short of what? The glory of God. We have to keep that as the standard. No person is the standard. God is the standard. So we, all of us have to keep looking at the standard, the true measurement. You know, sometimes you look at the gas pump and there will be a, a seal on the pump that has been signed by someone and dated. What is that? What is that all about? Well, it's someone from the state that comes along with the standard, and they test the pump and see, okay, it says it's putting out so much gasoline. Is it? Or is it off? Is it putting out too little? If it says a gallon, is it putting out a gallon, or is it putting out a half gallon? Or is it putting out a gallon and a half? What is it doing? So there has to be a standard, and Christ is the standard, and when we make any person the standard, we're carnal. We're carnal, and we shouldn't be that way. So um, this whole carnal mind business puts us in opposition to God. That's not a good place to be. Romans 8, Romans 8 and verse 7. Um, you know, there's all kinds of rival rivalries, and um, when football season comes, it, it kind of stirs up all the, the rivalries, one team against another. I know um, Greenville and Belding used to be rivals. Greenville and Cedar Springs used to be rivals. Um, and most every sports team has a rival. I don't know what starts that, but uh, it does. But in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God. Enmity is defined as the quality of being an enemy, the opposite of friendship, ill will, hatred, unfriendly dispositions. When Greenville used to play belding and football, it seems like a lot of things, times bad things would happen. Uh, you know, maybe a, a bus would get something broke on it or just the rivalry just for no reason, just the opposition. Well, the Bible says here, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So when we're comparing one another, we are placing ourselves in opposition against God. It says the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So that is not a good place to be. We don't want to be there. Now, what a horrible position. And look at verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh, what? Cannot please God. How many of us are here today in the flesh? Literally speaking, no. Okay. Literally speaking, we're all here in the flesh. Or we wouldn't be here. Okay. So, so then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, Is that a little discouraging? Yes. 
Yes. Um, this flesh cannot please God. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. It'd be discouraging, so we need to read on, verse 9. But ye are not, what? In the flesh, but in who? The Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Okay, now, does the Spirit of God dwell in us? Because if we are in the flesh, we cannot please God. But it says we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If it so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. How do we get the Spirit of God to dwell in us? How do we do that? Well, if you hold your place here, turn me to John 3. How do we get the Spirit of God to dwell in us? There is no way to please God unless the Spirit of God dwells in us. How do we make that happen? In John 3, in Verse 3, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's what? Womb and be born? So he's talking about what? The flesh. A fleshly birth. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of what? The The Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of what? The flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of what? The Spirit is what? Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be what? Born again. So the only way to get the Spirit of God in us is to be born again. Born again to receive Christ. So as we go back to Romans 8 and verse 9, Romans 8 and 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in what? The The Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. How do we get the Spirit of God to dwell in us? Born again. That's the only way. So you know what? We can walk around life doing all the good things we want to, but until we get born again, we cannot please God. So now it says, it goes on, Now if any man have not, who? The Spirit of Christ. He is what? None of his. So we find here that the only way to get the Spirit of God dwelling in us is to be born again. And that if we are not born again, we do not have the Spirit And it tells us here, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So every child of God has the spirit of God. Every person who is not born again does not have the spirit of God dwelling within. Um, Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, for by one, what? Spirit are we, who? All baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into what? One spirit. So when we're born again, all believers, every person when they're born again gets the spirit of Christ. So what happens? 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Now we're going to look 
at verses that tell how he indwells us. He's within. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Know ye not that ye are what? The temple of God. And that who? The Spirit of God does what? Dwelleth in you. So there it is. Um, Notice also in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of who? The Holy Ghost, which is where? In you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in what? In your body and in what? Your spirit, which are God's. So God is a trinity. He's three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us, and the Holy Spirit is a member of the trinity, is the entire trinity dwelling in us? Not just the Holy Spirit, but is God the Father and God the Son also dwelling in us? Look at John 14 in verse 15. John 14, 15. Does the Bible really back this Trinity matter up? Yes, it does. In John 14, 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter that he may what abide with you forever and if you notice if we could stop there and just go down to verse 26 verse 26 but the comforter which is who the holy ghost so if we go back to verse 16 there and i will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever so and then the next verse even who The Spirit of truth. So the Comforter is the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot what? Receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he what? Dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Um, So the Comforter is the Holy Spirit. Um, Notice then in verse 20, John 14, 20. John 14, 20. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And who? My Father will love him, and what? We will come unto him and make what? Our abode with him. Jesus is talking about the Father and himself, saying that we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So yes, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three persons of the Trinity. And yes, all three indwell the believer. So our, the question is today, 
Are we carnal or are we spiritual? God indwells us. Um, what would we do in our cars if God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were riding with us? Would we do anything different than we do right now? In our homes, would we do anything differently in our homes if, if we could see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are right there? At work, would we do anything differently if we thought about that? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are with me. They know everything I'm thinking, speaking, doing. Would, would that change my day? There's a thought for us, isn't it? Um, they are. When we're saved, they are with us. And there's a thought also, if, if anyone should be here that is not saved, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are not abiding therein. And there's no way our lives can please God apart from him indwelling us and living for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts. For indeed, when we have been born again, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are abiding in our lives. Our bodies are your temple. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us when we forget that you are abiding in us. And we would not live in a way that would please you. So Lord, this week, help us to remember that you are present with us. And may it affect all that we do and say and think. Father, I pray if there should be any here today that have never yet been saved, help them to realize that there is no way in the flesh that they can please God ever without being born again. Help them to realize that Jesus is the perfect and pure Son of God, God Almighty in the flesh, born of a miraculous virgin birth, lived a perfect sinless life, and then died on the cross, bearing our sin in his own body on the tree, he was buried and rose in victory, proving that his pure and precious blood washed away our sin. Help him to repent and receive you today. Guide in our lives, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.